Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The NFL Draft is now officially open. This is draft season. John Schmelk back with you for 2024. Joined as always by my partner. He's back. He knows everything about the draft. He is the one and only Tony Pauline with sportskeeda.com. And we're joined today by the same guest we were joined at this time of year last year, the one and only Bruce Feldman, who covers college football for Fox, writes for The Athletic. And you have a column out right now, Bruce. And, and let's start with that. And we'll get to your freaks list in a second that. You don't think Georgia's going to repeat this year? Who do you like? Uh, I actually like Michigan. I think that, you know, look, they got – they really stubbed their toe against TCU last year in the playoff, and they got smacked around by Georgia the year before. This is Jim Harbaugh's most talented team by far. I think it's got the best leadership on it as well. And you're going to see a lot of guys from this team get drafted. Uh, Jim Harbaugh told me a couple of weeks back he thinks that this team – this year will produce more draft picks and they will break Georgia's record of 15. So that's a big statement. It's an even bigger statement. I think that they will win a national title, but I do think JJ McCarthy is good enough and will have grown enough to lead them to a national title. And as far as Georgia, they're still really talented. They have a great offensive line. Obviously they have Brock Bowers and a lot of weapons. I think they're going to miss Stetson Bennett more than a lot of people realize he was great in the playoffs he really makes a lot of plays with his legs I know they like Carson Beck the new starter Carson Beck is not the athlete though that Stetson Bennett is and I think ultimately I think they're gonna they're, they're gonna miss that when it comes down to crunch time yeah Jim Nagy we had on last week Tony he had 18 players on his senior bowl watch list from from Michigan and like seven offensive linemen so Tony they're ready to go it's funny because I'm looking at my list right now I have 18 Michigan Wolverines seniors and underclassmen with draftable grades. Now, the only thing is, is I don't have any guys that have top 32 grades right now. So the way my board shakes out, there are a ton of Michigan Wolverines that with draftable grades, but it starts in day two and it goes really through the middle rounds. I got to ask Bruce about that prediction with Michigan. Do you think the suspension, the three game suspension to, to Jim Harbaugh is going to affect their play early in the season anyway? I don't because it's not like he sus suspended Tony for practice. It's for game day operations, you know, as he is, you know, he's announced it um, that they are going, he's going to break it up. Basically Sharon Moore, who's his offensive coordinator, Jesse Minner, who's the defensive coordinator. And then as well, uh, you know, they will be the head coaches for the one of those, each of one of those games. And then he's going to split it up with Mike Hart, the running backs coach, and his son, Jay Harbaugh, his special teams coordinator, they're going to share it one one half and the other the other half. I don't think that's going to that's going to be a detriment at all. I think the biggest question for them, you know, is going to be J.J. McCarthy, who's a former five star recruit. He has a lot of tools like I think he has first round talent. 
And he looked really good against Ohio State when they were depleted on the road, but he was up and down against TCU. And I think he needs to keep maturing and develop. Harbaugh told me he thinks he has a top 10 pick you know, next year in Chris Jenkins, you guys obviously remember his dad, who was a really good defensive lineman in the NFL. Chris Jenkins has really blossomed there. People inside the program, not just Harbaugh, but that I talked to rave about him. He was, you know, I know we're going to talk more freaks list in a second. He's one of those guys. I think you will see, um, you know, a handful of guys who will probably emerge as top 75 picks. I do think Chris Jenkins from how they talk about him will be a first, will be a first round guy. And then, the question ultimately is, you know, it, it, for at least for the national title, is J.J. McCarthy a guy who's going to make a run at the Heisman? Is he ready to to really be a real star, not just win with him, but win because of him? I mean, that offense, with that offensive line, that those running backs are fantastic. Blake Quorum, he, he's not going to meet the measurables for, for the next level, but he is just a phenomenal football player. He's a joy to watch. And they got some real good underrated receivers out there. So I absolutely agree with you. And they play good team ball. Unlike Ohio State, who has a lot of really great players, Michigan, you know, under Harbaugh, except for the bumps in the road, the big games, they play good team football. They do. And they have really good leadership. I think one of the guys who is not going to be in the draft because he's too young, who's a name to remember is Colston Loveland. He had a big game against against Ohio State. He is a really, really fast tight end with, you know, I think he's going to keep blossoming. He's a matchup nightmare um, from the, you know, from the mountain region. I don't want to say the Pacific Northwest, but I think he's, you know, from that Idaho area where it's way under recruited and and they were buzzing about him early in the season, the coaches I talked to, and he started to really blossom. He's one to keep an eye on. And again, I, some of those guys who are more the wow splashy, I think they'll be first or you know top 50 picks in the program. Will Johnson's a really good cornerback. He was a true freshman last year. He's not draft eligible. It won't be um, for a little while, but I think those are guys you're going to see really emerge as well. Um, it's an interesting team because what you said, Tony, I definitely agree with. He knows sometimes it's not flashy. Sometimes it's not sexy, but he knows how to develop football teams. He did it at Stanford and he's now it's taken him a little bit while to get traction, but he's obviously got it rolling in Ann Arbor now. Yeah. And obviously we have Bruce on every year to talk about his freaks list. This year was 101 players long. Uh, Some of the guys that from his conversations with coaches around college football have put up the best testing numbers and are the best athletes in college football. And Tony, I know something was, was pretty unique to you when you took a look at this list for the first time. Yeah. I saw a lot of super seniors on this list. A lot of guys who, you know, were seniors were eligible for the 2023 draft decided to go back for a second senior year. The first question I have for Bruce is, are there any repeat performers? Are there any guys on your 2023 list that were on your 2022 list because they went back for a second senior season? Uh, there's a bunch of repeat guys. There's a few that are probably guys who could have come out but didn't. And I think that's also relevant because you're talking about guys who've had a lot of time in strength and conditioning programs to continue to develop. So when so sometimes when I hear of a guy um, there's a guy who's mentioned, but didn't make the top 101. It's a boss Bailey, his son, champ Bailey's nephew, who's one who's at Syracuse is a really explosive linebacker, but he's really only one year out of high school. And I think he's going to be a guy, maybe top 50 next year, but that, you know, towards that end, those are, those are some of the guys that 
you know, because they haven't had a lot of time in the strength and conditioning program, you're going to still see big gains from them. But definitely this past year, um, there was a there was a bunch of guys, as you said, because of that year of you have six year guys now. You have some some seven and eight year guys, to be honest. Yeah. It's, a, it's really unusual at this time how college football is. And that, that'll eventually filter out, I guess, four years after the COVID season. Hopefully, uh, we'll stop with the uh, additional year of eligibility. Do, do you, when you do the list, do you try and – if there are two guys and one guy was on your previous list and one guy is a newer guy that you've got – you've collected data information on, do you lean towards the newer guy or do you have no problem, say, putting a guy on as, as a repeat, perform, repeat performer on your list? I actually don't have a problem with that, Tony. You know, you know, it's um, the ones where it's tricky for me is Penn State this year. I had more Penn State guys than I've ever had from one school. I had six and they were all in the top 50. The truth of it is I probably could add three other guys on there. And if they played at another school, some of those guys might have been on there. It's just it's hard to say, all right, I'm gonna have nine guys from Penn State. But one of the things that I've come to realize is some of these guys, and one of them Giants fans know really well, is Saquon. Like, they would put up insane numbers. We'd write about him for freaks list, and people were like, no way that's true. And whether it's Owe, who lit it up at, at the Combine in his pro day, and Micah Parsons, or Gasicki, or certainly Saquon, um, this is a place where the numbers seem crazy, but they get backed up when they go through the draft process. And so that, you know, like even you know, when you've done that, doing this for a while, you kind of know who you, you know, it's the same thing you guys know. And Tony, I know, you know, this from doing it forever is like, there's certain people like, okay, this, this school or this person, I can put a lot of stock in where some of these others like, eh, we'll see, you know, maybe I take this with a little more of a couple of grains of salt. All right. So Bruce, uh, let's hit the guy that I think right now is the leader in the clubhouse for the favorite to be the first non quarterback taken. In this year's draft, and that's Marvin Harrison Jr. He came in at number two. And you watch him, you see the size, and he makes it look so easy. You don't necessarily see on tape freakish athlete, but then you put some of the numbers here, and wow, if he tests that way at his size, I mean, this is probably going to be the best wide receiver prospects is maybe going back to Calvin Johnson and Julio Jones. Wow. Yeah, I know. I knew you were going to say because he would have been the first receiver off the board if he could have come out this past year. Oh, yeah. Sure. Um, There's a lot to really like about him. So when I talked to him a couple of weeks back, he talked about, first of all, his approach to his craft and his maturity is very impressive. Like you, I'd be surprised anybody spends any time with him and comes away not really impressed how he handles himself. He's a really really pleasant, sharp kid. Um, and so we talked about not just what he studies craft wise, but also what he wanted to work on. And one of the things was he did want to, he was a 23.0 miles per hour GPS guy, which is moving. I don't care how big you are. You could be a small receiver and that's moving. And he got it up to 23.3, which is, which is a pretty significant gain. Um, he's a lanky kid. The shuttle times are going to be really interesting because they had him in the mid three nines, which is elite. Um, anything under four seconds, obviously, especially for a, a guy that lanky, you know, is something. Um, so if he's able to get close to those and I asked him, what do you think you're going to run in the 40 in Indy? And he was like, 
in the four threes, I was like, low four threes. He goes, no, my goal is four, three, eight. I think I can get there. It's all about my start. He's obviously got the acceleration. Um, everybody around that program, whether it's the coaches or the former players, love him. You know, you know and it's, I got to say, it's, it shows a lot of self-awareness on his part because you mentioned in your article, he's most proud of the, of, of his four, uh, five ten five his short shuttle. The reason I say that is because I was at the Ohio State Pro Day last year, and he participated in that Pro Day with, with uh, C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba. And Smith and Jigba was a tremendous route runner. And I had written how you could see the difference because when Marvin Harrison Jr. was running the same routes as Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison would have to kind of throttle down to get in and out of his breaks. So when, when he's saying that he's working on the 5-10-5, the change of direction – it shows to me, it shows a lot of self-awareness uh, as to he knows exactly where he's got to improve his game. Yeah. And and Tony, to your point, who had the fastest shuttle times in Indy last year? It was Jackson Smith and Jigba yeah. quite a bit. And I think, like, I actually think he, I know he's hurt right now. I actually think he was really underrated because he was banged up last year. Um, but Brian Hartline, who knows what it looks like, he played in the NFL and he's produced studs in the already uh, you know in a relatively short time at ohio state garrett wilson olave and jackson smith and jigba was just different to him than those other guys in a really good way um so i think because of because of marvin harrison jr's experience you know he's going into his third year but because of his experience around these other elite guys i think he, he has a great perspective on a lot of stuff, you know, at one point we were just kind of making small talk and I was like, Hey, do you watch your dad's? Like we were talking about Devonte Adams and different guys he, he looks at. I said, do you watch your dad's stuff? And he goes, mm. you know, he was, they, they did was different coverage back then. He would only line up on one side. And, you know, it was like, he was very, obviously very respectful to it, but he was also like, he does not seem like a guy who's only been out of high school a couple of years. I mean, he is definitely like a very mature you know, down-to-earth, locked-in guy. All right, you're going to have to help me out with the last name here, Bruce. I want to jump to uh, the next guy on your list that's in the top 10 at a BYU, the offensive tackle. Kingsley's the first name. You're going to have to help me on the last name. Sumataya. Um, he started out at Oregon. He is cousins with Panay Sewell and the Sewell family who have a bunch of NFL talent there. So when I was working on this, I remember exactly where I was the summer when I got a text back from Aaron Roderick. That's the offensive coordinator at BYU. And he, first of all, he talked to, he was around Garrett Bowles, who obviously was a really good college player. Now he was older, but he was still an elite offensive lineman who started, I think every game he's played in the NFL for the Broncos. But last year they had Blake Freeland, Blake Freeland, six, eight, not as heavy, but a six eight offensive tackle who is vertical jumping, you know, in the high thirties is that was a record. And he ran high four nines. And for him to say this guy's a much better athlete than him, I was like, ooh, okay. And so then, then I ended up talking to their sports science guy, and he said last year he goes, Kingsley is faster than our linebackers. I don't care where you play college football. If you're a six six three hundred twenty five pound guy and you're faster than the linebackers, you know, because everybody has linebackers who are at least running four eight you know, that kind of thing. But where he said it was the wow thing was he was last year, we had him clocked at 21.5 miles per hour. Whoa. And he was 318 when that happened. If he was 218 when that happened, that is flying. Um, you know, everybody who's been around him, Mario Cristobal had recruited him to Oregon and then 
Kingsley ended up transferring back closer to home. I mean, everybody who's been around him just talks about freak fits. I mean, that's him. And they moved him to left tackle. He was at right tackle last year. He didn't give up any sacks in any um, in any any pass sets. He'll be now they're going into the Big Twelve. I, I, it's going to be interesting to watch his development because everything you hear about from athletically from him is this guy is going to be a first round pick. He's just a, a very rare athlete. And now he's 325. I think as he just continues to mature, going to be really interesting for people to evaluate. And I did watch him this summer, Bruce, just to follow up. You know, we talked about his athleticism. This is not a finesse player. He mauls the hell out of people. So you put the that aggression with the athleticism to your point. I think he's still a little bit raw, but man, I mean, that upside is just off the charts. Yeah, I, and just they, um, Roderick talked about how violent he is, and as as a as he just as you said, malls guys. I think the biggest thing area of growth for him will just be just be emotional maturity, and as he continues to develop into his body, but just that. Um, but could, tools wise, I could see how he could be a top ten tackle. Right, he's different. Like last year. You know, with the Bears taking a right tackle really high, you had uh, Paris Johnson. I mean, like this guy athletically is more gifted than those guys, considerably so. And so, but he's still young and he's still pretty raw. And he plays athletic. I mean, John talked about him being a baller. He's not a stiff guy. I mean, no. you watch him get on the second level. You watch him get, you know, block emotion. And, and Bruce, you touched on it. He's basically going to be the left tackle this year at BYU. And BYU's got a pretty good team. I mean, if he really shows a lot of uh, progress at the all-important left tackle spot, his draft stock is just going to go through the roof. Uh, I want to talk about somebody that you, you mentioned earlier, Chris Jenkins, the defensive tackle from Michigan. I mean, I remember a year ago when we had you on, the number one guy on your uh, list was Mozzie Smith, which made me happy because Mozzie Smith was a uh, top 25 guy on my board. Uh, he went 26th, I think, to the Dallas Cowboys. He, Jenkins is smaller. He's more of a one-gap sort of three-technique guy. Why do you think, as you mentioned, talk a little bit about Chris Jenkins, and I'm just wondering, why do you think he's going to end up as a first-round choice? So he was a guy who came out of high school, and he was in the 250 range. And last year he played at 287. He's 307 now. Uh, no, he's not as big as Mozzie. Mozzie was a was a powerhouse at 337, I think, when we did Freaks List. But he's 307 now. He's up 20 pounds. He was really good against the run. I mean, he's a 34-inch vertical jump guy. His shuttle times are, are crazy impressive. We have video. If people haven't seen the Freaks List yet, look for it and look at, at him doing the Turkish getup with 170 pounds. And you'll watch it and you'll be like, that's insane. Their strength coach at Michigan, Ben Herbert, who had been at Wisconsin when they had J.J. Watt and has been at Michigan and has had a lot of freak guys. Rashawn Gary, certainly Aiden Hutchinson. We mentioned Mozzie, Quiddy Pay. Um, he'd never seen anybody do what this guy does. And so I think the, all the intangibles-wise, this kid is off the charts. Now the question, and I think this is something that everybody inside the program is talking about, how he has really worked and committed as much as he can to be a better more disruptive pass rusher and add that part to his game if he if all those things and everything we heard out of ann arbor are true this guy probably will be going the first half of the first round because he has he has really special athleticism combined with 
the work ethic and the approach and the discipline. Um, you know, there's just there's just a lot to really like about him. I got it. I want to ask you just a general question about the list. Last year, you know, we talked about Mozzie Smith, and there were some insane numbers out there. I believe the three cone, uh, the uh, yeah, the three cone was under seven seconds for a guy that was three hundred thirty plus pounds. You talk, and you're talking about Chris Jenkins now. Mozzie Smith didn't work out before the draft. There was these injuries. There was this. There's that. Did you, you ever think that the expectations from your freak list put these guys so high up? And they're like, okay, we'll just rely on what Bruce Feldman told everybody going into the season rather than, you know, working out and say, Mozzie Smith runs a 7.25 in the three cone, which is still an outstanding time, but everybody was expecting him to run a 6.99 or something like that. Yeah, I think that is the challenge. And and Tony, like, they have me do a, another version of the freaks list, right? you know, leading up to the combine. And a lot of that is, there's a bunch of different guys on there. And there's a lot of repeat, obviously, but you know, in college, I still, you know, a lot of these guys are still in college. Um, and one of the, I talked to also, and I do this for freaks list as well, but for the combine story, I talked to a lot of the combine trainers and I know they're very mindful of, I don't want to put out that my guy is going to run a four, three, one. Cause if he doesn't, and if he runs a four, three, six, which is a great time, no matter who you are, people are going to be disappointed by it. Yep. And so absolutely that happens in that part of it um with this you know it, it like there's a guy who is at iowa cooper DeGene, who is a really big cornerback who's super explosive athlete and i talked to there was a combine trainer who's already worked with him you know for a little bit and and they're taught and he's a 210 pound guy who plays a lot of different roles in the iowa defense um but i think there's you know if he runs four three six at 210 pounds in, at the combine, people will be like, ah, eh, that's still really good. But I think there's a lot of people who are like, oh, this guy is going to, you know, maybe run 431 or 430. And, and you kind of get into that of, of what is matching it. Like what I, what's been great for me, especially, you know, we talked about the Michigan guys. I mean, the most unreal number seemingly is a Marion Walker, who is a six, three and a half, 180 some pound young cornerback. And his, his shuttle time is a uh, three cone is so much faster than, than Jackson Smith and Jigs and Jigba's was, but it's also blows away the record that Jeff mail, the Oregon receiver did. And we have video of it. They sent me the you know video. There's video of Roman Wilson, um, who's, you know, one of the fastest guys in the big 10 also doing, doing a shuttle time, a shuttle run. So like people can see it for themselves at times and go, wow. I, okay. I get it. You know, like, um, you know, the, uh, I have a Harvard guy way high on the list this year. Like last year we had Andre Yoshivas in top, you know, number 15, I think. Yep. And he, you know, he's done well with the Bengals and, you know, created some buzz. And now the Ivy league guy now is a, is a defensive tackle, from Harvard, Thor, Thor Griffith, but Thor's benching 225, 45 times. You can, you know, you can see video of it. And um, so I, I, and there's a lot more to him than that. I just think everything, what you said is true, but I, I also think some of these guys are real competitors and they're going to feel like I can, I can, I can show everybody else around here that, you know, that I'm not sticking on my supposed numbers. Yeah, and that happened with Jalen Hyatt last year in a 4-4-0, and people were like, oh, really? I thought he was going to be like a 4-3-5. This isn't, all right, that's fine. I'm like, 4-4-0 is really good. It's just funny how that kind of goes. Tony, you got something? Uh, 
Okay. Scott, next guy. I got you. All right. So I'll jump to the next guy, Chris Braswell. He's right ahead of Thor Griffith. Feldman on, on, on your top 10. Is he, along with Dallas Turner, kind of that next set of, of Alabama edge rushers here? And, and could both those guys, you think, you know, vault themselves into first-round consideration this year? Yeah, Dallas Turner's a little further along as a player. I mean, he's longer. Uh, Chris Braswell is super explosive. I mean, he's put on almost 15 pounds since last year. He was the third guy when they would put him in with, with Will Anderson. Obviously, with Will Anderson now in the NFL, there's a lot more reps you're going to see from him. He, But, I mean, he's almost a 40-inch vertical jump guy. He's super strong. Um, he is by far the biggest freak in that program right now, which is obviously saying something for Alabama, but was a top 10 guy. We need to see it, though, now in terms of production. You know, he was a, he was a good situational role player. We're talking about taking a big, big step forward to be, okay, does he become an all-SEC kind of disruptive guy? Dallas Turner, I don't want to say I have no doubts will will we'll continue to, to, to take those big steps, but I think there's a lot to really be intrigued by with Chris Braswell. Yeah, I, I mean, Braswell, I think right now, is a better athlete than he is a football player, and, and you see that on film. I mean, he shows up occasionally where Turner has been a tremendous football player uh, for the past two seasons. You expect a lot from him this year. Want to go to Chop Robinson because when you talk about the NFL draft in Penn State, everybody mentions the offensive tackle for Shanu, who was really good. But when you watch the film, Chop Robinson is just wreaking havoc. I mean, he is just imploding the, the opponent, the opponent's game plan. Uh, th this guy is, is terrific. You mentioned in your uh, in your freak article about you know he's he, we're not saying he could be another Chop Robinson, but I see this guy the athleticism that you mentioned about the playmaking ability, standing over tackle, splitting double team blocks out of a uh, three-point stance. I mean, talk a little bit more about him because everybody talks about Fashano. You put on the film and Chop Robinson, it's like, wow. Yeah, and there's a lot of wow dudes there. Like Olu, it was, it was awesome to talk to. You know, everybody knows how young he is for the, you know, at one point, 19 years old, and he's blowing up. He was only a three-star guy out of high school, and you're looking at him going, Meh. You know, he's 6'6", 320, and he's a high 4'9 guy. And, um, you know, is and again, this is a guy he's – they're seeing each other a lot in practice. And I think this is how you, you know, you get a lot better. And I think Chop came from Maryland, uh, super explosive, really skilled athlete, though, I think. And they have, a, they have another guy similar. And, again, he wears 11, which is what LeVar wore and Micah Parsons wore and that – that's Abdul Carter, who they are wowed by in terms of potential. Chop is further along, obviously, as an as certainly as an edge guy. Um, I would not be surprised if he was an All-American player because they lose. Obviously, you know, Joey Porter Jr. was a very hyped and 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 you know impressive athlete at corner, but there's probably like six wow players on the Penn State defense right now. Some of them are young, really young, but like. I think when you look at what Chop is, again, and Abdul Carter's almost exactly the same measurables, um, but more of a linebacker. And I think you, you look at these guys, you're like, man, they're going to be a real big problem. Like Manny Diaz has had a lot of like big time athletes. You know, you look at the edge guys he had um, when he was at Miami, you know, certainly, and they became first round picks. And these guys are a little different. They're not, certainly not as long. Um, as what he had at UM the last couple of years. But these guys are are every bit of, you know, more explosive. And I think when you see what, certainly what the Cowboys have done with Micah Parsons, 
I think you see a lot of similarity here with this guy. Again, it's lofty, but man, if I, I, if I'm an NFL scout, I'm spending a lot of time in happy Valley and watching that team this year. Yeah. Yeah, I think they would. Curtis Jacobs and Adisa Isaac, two more, uh, uh guys that are going to be and Beeman the other guy inside like you mentioned Curtis J those three guys could have been on the freaks list I mean they they probably should have been but like I said am I gonna have nine so yeah and Penn State I'm looking at my notes here when I talk to Jim Nagy they're in double digits on his senior bowl watch list so he's one of the teams that has a lot of guys I want to jump to to Mason Smith out of LSU, the big defensive tackle, Bruce. He didn't play last year because of the injury. You go back to his film the year before. You see the athleticism, but he looks really raw, obviously. Now, a year to study, learn the game, and I'm sure he was in the weight room a ton while he was rehabbing that knee. Is this a guy that could take the SEC by storm this year? He could. I mean, he had his moments in 2021. I mean, he was a big hyped up recruit. He's about 15 pounds bigger than he was last year. I think the things from from talking to people at LSU that they really like is he's super disruptive inside and he's athletic enough to play outside that versatility. Um, you know, he had the one game suspension for their Florida State game due for basically a rule that if it was in place now, um, it wouldn't have happened. Like, I mean, it was like, it's, it's an NCAA quirk. People really, really like him character wise there. I just think it's really playing a lot more for him yeah. because he played maybe one series last year, got hurt in the Florida state game to open the 2022 season, had the knee injury. Um, you know, he's still, even though he's 15 pounds bigger, he's almost matched the 19 and a half miles per hour uh, GPS time. Again, really, really smooth athlete for being that big. Um, you know, Jack Marucci, who, you know, baseball fans probably know that name. He's kind of like the godfather of LSU sports. He's been there forever. He was before that he was the trainer at Florida state. And Jack is Jack's knows probably LSU athletes better than anybody I can think of. Cause he was there for so long and was such a key part of the program. I said, have you ever had anybody who he reminds you of? Cause obviously there was the you know, a bunch of D linemen, whether it's Glenn Dorsey, who was super disruptive when he was at LSU. And he's like, no, we've never had anybody this size, this kind of athleticism. But again, I think it's going to come back to what does he do on the field? Because he has three and out written all over him. The question is, and this, ha I notice this with LSU a lot with, with that program, where it's a guy who is kind of wows you as a freshman maybe as a sophomore or something happens and then all of a sudden they're, they're up to leave, you know, after three years and they're guys who maybe the production doesn't match the hype or the expectations. And then they go in the NFL and they either turn out to, you know, like exceed it or they, you know, like the Jaguars have an edge rusher, much different dimensions, but like Kelevon chase on, there was another guy who was like flashed and then was not, you know, didn't get to play a lot. And then, you know, it's a, it's they're tricky evaluations for the NFL, I think. Sure. sure. You had the receiver last year. Uh, next guy I want to talk about is Julius Welshoff, the uh, pass rusher from at, at Charlotte by way of Michigan. Charlotte got a lot of Michigan players this year because the, uh, the assistant head coach went from Michigan, was named the head coach of, uh, of Charlotte. Six foot six, 265 pounds a former champion mogul skier in Germany. That makes my knees hurt just saying this, that this guy is 260 plus pound and he's skiing moguls in Germany. And he could walk on his hands for 50 yards. And some of the crazy athletes, again, 
you know, Tony, I think you used this term before, you know, probably better athlete than football player. I think that's the juice. That's what he's known as. I think that's probably how he's always been. He's been on this list a bunch of times when he was at Michigan. Situationally, he would do some good things. Biff Pogey, that's the uh, that's the new Charlotte coach who is Jim Harbaugh's right-hand guy. Biff had a ton of elite players um, at his school in, in the Baltimore area when he was a high school coach. And he has a lot of transfers, as you mentioned, from Michigan. Um, Ayabi Anoma, who was a former five-star recruit who started his career at Alabama, and now is Ayabi Anoma Oki, um, is another one who I think is going to be interesting to see when they kind of turn these guys loose in in this system. Because um, now you're going to get a lot of reps. Before, he was behind Aiden Hutchinson. He was behind some really good players. And now I think you're going to see him more showcased and let's see what Welshoff really can do with a lot more snaps. And, you know, again, I think this is a really talented team, but they have, so, you know, not as quite as many as like Deion Sanders took at Colorado, but this was an awful program that, that Biff took over and you see some elite athletes at least. And now we'll see what they can do production wise. And it's not just your list. I mean, going into the 2022 season, Walshoff was given a middle round grade by scouts. So scouts expected a lot of uh, a lot from him on the field. He just never produced credit to him for going back for another uh, season on the college field. Yeah. And he's a guy who's been up. He was at one point, he was like in the two nineties. Now he's two sixty five. I think oh, wow. he's going to wow you wherever he's at. Um, but we'll see. We'll see when he, like, when he cuts it loose. I mean, is he playing fast? Is he playing free? And does that athleticism really, really translate? We talked about guys that went back to school. And again, we're joined by Bruce Feldman. Find his freak list on, Freaks List on The Athletic and subscribe if you can. It's really, it's an awesome uh, resource for all sports guys. Go go subscribe to The Athletic. Jared Verse probably could have been a top 15 pick last year, Bruce. Fantastic player. Florida State, he made your list. I think he came in at 26. Yeah, I mean, he's super strong for 260 pounds. As you said, I think a lot of people thought he could be a top 15 pick. He decided to stay. They're really loaded this year. I think Florida State has a chance to be a playoff team. He's a guy who was at Albany first, and that was not a program that, you know, it's not the the Albany State in Georgia. It's the one that Giants fans are familiar with, right? And so the fact that he got there, and credit to Florida State, who has, a, you know, a lot of ties in that area on their coaching staff, Adam Fuller, defensive coordinator, they got him down there, and he hit the ground running. I mean, he made big impact plays in the opener that they had against LSU. And there's a lot to like here. Um, in, in a lot of ways, you know, Florida State, when Bobby Bowden had it rolling up there in Tallahassee, had a lot of like explosive edge guys. And he's in that mold. He's not quite as long as some of the guys have had come through there. But I think he's pretty special. And I think he's going to have a huge year for the Florida State Seminoles this year. Want to talk about the two guys on your list right after Jared Verse. First, Peyton Wilson. I mean, here's a guy who is a terrific football player. Unfortunately, he's been injured a lot, which I think has slowed his development. But as you write, I mean, he's a terrific football player at six foot four, 235 pounds, who's also an outstanding athlete as far as the testing is concerned. He is. He was a former state champion wrestler. He's a great football player. And if he if his medicals checked out, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a first round talent. I mean, Tony Gibson who is, a, you know, is the defense coordinator there has had a lot of really good players. He's like, this is the best defensive player I've ever been around. And he had good linebackers. You know, they, they've they definitely had talent at NC State. Now, I, I think this guy's a notch above them 
athletically for at least on the defensive side of the ball. Um, it's just a matter of staying healthy. I think he has matured a lot since he's been in Raleigh. Um, but there's, you know, like he's the guy I could see going into the NFL if he's a second, like a mid second round pick and then really wowing people in training camp and them realizing they got something really good. Right after him, uh, ACC opponent, Johnny Wilson, the big receiver out of uh, Florida state. You talked about his, uh, you know, his testing numbers. I look at Johnny Wilson and I see another version of Elijah Higgins from Stanford last year, a guy who's a college receiver who I think is eventually going to have to move to the tight end position on Sunday. I don't know, you know, if that came up in any of your discussions, but talk a little bit about Johnny Wilson. Yeah, he's even taller. I mean, he's almost six seven. He runs really well. He's a 10-5 broad jump guy. He flourished last year. He was a guy who's from here in Southern California. Um Oregon, Arizona State recruiting battle. And I think he was in a tricky situation, you know, when he began his college career, went down there. And what I think you're going to see from him, Florida State has three really big receivers. He's one of them. Um, and then two transfers. They have a tight end who is like, you know, a little bit like Brock Bowers, to be honest, a transfer they got from South Carolina and Jaheim Bell. And then Keon Wilson, who comes from uh, Michigan State and these guys are all really big and all really fast and individually I think if you had one of them and they did with with Johnny Wilson that's a matchup problem now they got three of them and Jordan Travis is a good college quarterback I think he's gonna I, I think they're all going to have big seasons I just don't know if you're gonna see one guy put up huge huge numbers um, he could totally you know you just don't see receivers as big as him you know like he is legit like tight end size he can, you know, he can test the way I think you'd want a college, you know, receiver coming out can do. It's just ultimately, you know, will he be physical enough to make the transition to be an inline tight end? I don't know, but he has the body type for it. Absolutely. Another receiver, Bruce, in the SEC, Malik Neighbors out of LSU. I watched him this summer quick. I mean, this guy can move speed, quickness, side to side, straight ahead. I, I think he is first round talent. We know LSU knows how to develop and, and set out wide receivers here. I know they're another team that thinks they can compete for an SEC championship this year, that they have the talent to do it. Uh, your thoughts on neighbors. Could he be that next first round LSU wide receiver? He could. They have a couple of freaky guys in that room. Chris Hilton's even faster. He's a you know spectacular track guy, but but neighbors is super smooth. And you saw him really emerge last year. And I think everything I've heard out of LSU camp is that you know Jaden Daniels has really improved. That's the Arizona State transfer, and he had a really good year first year at LSU. But they say he's going to take the next step as a passer, and I think that bodes really well because now you're seeing. You know, they have a really good young tight end and and uh, Jason Taylor's Jason Taylor's um, son, who is like really gifted. Um, and so now they have some tight end options. They have a lot of receivers out there. I don't think they're great at the in the running back room, but Malik neighbors will test really well. And I also just think he's just an incredible athlete all around. And you see it how in some of the things he does on the field. Got to ask you about Braylon Allen of Wisconsin. You mentioned how he's down to 8% body fat at 245 pounds. He's faster. You watch him. He's a throwback to what what, 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 I'm sorry, what Wisconsin has run in the past with Barry Alvarez. I just wonder when you look at the next level, how big is too big? And how is he going to fit in with the Luke Fickle system? 
Well, the Luke Fickle system on offense is going to be uh, the Phil Longo system. And he Phil's a New Jersey guy who really took his offense from Mike Leach and the air raid system and evolve, but they are really good in the run game. You look at, at what he had at North Carolina, they were one of the top rushing teams in the country in terms of yards per carry and the out output. And so they're still going to be physical. This is the best. I talked to Braylon Allen a couple of weeks ago. This is the best shape he, of his life. Um, he is a huge back and I think he will be the sledgehammer in, a, in an offense that is going to throw it a lot. But they're still going to be physical. And, you know, again, they have a really experienced offensive line. I would expect him to be a thousand yard back. I, I think what it'll help him is he probably will not be carrying it 30 times a game. He'll probably be carrying it 15 times a game. But I think because they're going to stress people in the passing game so much more than you're not going to see nine man boxes because you're not it's not the old Wisconsin. I think that is going to help him long term. And I could see him being somebody, you know, like a one half of a running back tandem, because also I think they're going to try to make him a little bit more of a all around back. I want to go to number 37 on your list, uh, Chip Trainum, the running back out of Ohio State. And I want to expand that to the whole room because they had a ton of injuries at that position last year, Bruce. And I think they're probably going to share the wealth there this year. We know Ohio State knows how to develop running backs. We've seen Ezekiel Elliott go down the list, J.K. Dobbins. What do you heard about him and that room in general and how that could sort itself out when draft day comes in about seven, eight months? Yeah, he was a he was a running back at Arizona State and then they played him at linebacker. And then, he, you know, because of injuries, you know, the most talented one in that room, Travion Henderson, spectacular as a freshman, got banged up last year and then it looked like he lost his mojo a little bit. They Everything I've heard is that, you know, he's got it back. He looks like the guy from 2021. Uh, Mayan Williams is a really productive back. They have Dallin Hayden, who's the most explosive of all the guys who played some late in the year. Chip Trainum is a, I suspect he will be interesting as a special teams guy in terms of for NFL. Um, he's an explosive athlete, as we said on the freaks list. Um, I don't know where his best role is, to be honest. I mean, is he a guy who can stay as an NFL running back? I'm not convinced of that. I think he's a good player. Um, but I think he's a guy who's ultimately going to be somebody really coveted as a, as a special teams guy. And then what, what can you develop him into? I don't know if he's better served as a linebacker or as a running back, to be honest. But I think right now, if you're an NFL team, I think you got to be intrigued by him as a special teams guy. Tony, I'm done. Those are my guys. So I will let you rapid fire the rest of your list with Bruce here and listen and learn. You know, you, you talked about guys who, what are the roles at the next level? I want to go back to North Carolina State. One of my favorite players, Davin Van. I mean, another guy who on the defensive line just is continually blowing up plays, penetrating the line of scrimmage, disrupting the action. 6'2", 278 pounds. You talked about what the North Carolina State coaches said about Peyton Wilson earlier. What are they saying about Devin Van? Really disruptive. You know, he's undersized. I don't want to, you know, I hate to compare like Aaron Donald ish, but that's what you got to look at where you're talking about really smaller defensive linemen, but he's really disruptive. And again, you know, Tony, what some of the offensive linemen who've come out of there recently, like he's gotten, he's had some wars with some really good players on a day-to-day -day basis. So I think he's underrated. I really think he's, un I think he's, especially by college fans, because I just feel like, People just don't know NC State's program that well. It's for whatever reason, even though they've been successful, it's a little under, you know, well, they'll, they'll know Drake May 
and they'll know they knew Sam Hartman. They're started to get to know him because he was there forever. The North Carolina State guys, for a variety of reasons, have just been kind of under wraps a little bit. Yeah, and, and, and you watch North Carolina State, it, it, you can't miss this guy because no one can block him. He's constantly behind the line of scrimmage, splitting double team blocks. I just wonder at his size, is he going to be looked at as a defensive end, defensive tackle? I want to go to the Mac, Quinnen Mitchell, who's been a real good cornerback, uh, literally for the past two years, uh, goes into his senior season, has got decent grades. I think he can jump into day two. He's big. He's fast. You know, it, I think the only question is, is he a bump and run cover? Is he his own guy? But they got to be saying some great things about Quentin Mitchell out in Toledo. They do. Jason Candle, who's the head coach there, really was like, basically, you got to have him on here. You know, he's the guy that I think a lot of college football fans might remember. He had four picks in one game. Um, tests really, really well. I, I think if he was at Ohio State or Michigan, I think he would absolutely be talked about as an All-American player. Um, he's just under under the radar some, but I could definitely see him being a second round pick and maybe even more than that, to be honest. Yeah, I want to go to a small school, Southeast Missouri State, Ryan Flournoy, the wide receiver. The reason I mentioned him is they had a senior receiver last year by the name of Johnny King, who was now on the Eagles roster. And when I watched Southeast Missouri last year, it was Flournoy who really stood out. I'm like, wow, I got to get this guy in my database because he's a prospect moving forward. I mean, excellent size, tremendous production. And from what you're saying, some real good testing times. Yeah, spectacular athlete. I mean, he's a guy who bounced around a little bit in college. And again, some of the things that are happening, not per se just with Flournoy, but what you'll see, and it goes back to what we talked about in the beginning, Tony, where you're talking about like the COVID, COVID times, a lot of recruits kind of got lost in the shuffle at some point, you know, in the recruiting process. Again, you know, if there's a couple of guys and Flournoy is one of them where I think in the transfer portal days, you're almost like, okay, how come this guy didn't get poached by a big 10 school or something? Because people inside the sport know of him. And I think he's a lot more gifted than a lot of guys who are going to start in the big 10 and the big 12. Go to everybody's favorite tight end, Brock Bowers of Georgia. You mentioned, uh, you know, his vertical jump, his uh, broad jump, his squat. What do you think he's going to run in the 40? Because I don't know that they've timed him. But when you watch Brock Bowers, he plays the tight end position like he's a receiver. He has no problem getting downfield, creating mismatches. He can outrun linebackers. He could, you know, he can run with safety or safeties have difficulty running with him. I mean, he really looks like the consummate tight end. And I believe a top 15 pick next year. Yeah, I think he might, from everything I've heard from people inside Georgia that I trust, they think he's a high 4-4 guy, like 4-4-8, 4-4-7. The question's going to be, how big does he show up at the combine? Because, you know, is he going to come in at 232 pounds? Is he going to try to be 245? If he's 245, will he still be in the high 4-4s? I mean, he, the film says he's fast. And I think that's the most important thing. I don't. What I don't think he'll do is run more than 4-5-5. I think he's somewhere in the 4-4-7 to 4 four, five, four range. And that's obviously for a tight end, even if it's a small one, you know, he's just a weapon. He's just like, you know, is he going to be an inline guy in the NFL? He's definitely not like, you know, Mercedes Lewis, uh, you know, he's not like what they just had, um, but in Darnell Washington, but he, I think he's just going to be a weapon for, for teams and he, they'll find ways to get him the ball. Yeah, and if he shows up at 240, 245 pounds, is that his actual playing weight or is he just putting that weight on to impress scouts for the combine? Uh, Going to go a little bit uh, further north, I guess, uh, Clemson, Tyler Davis. I mean, a guy who, super senior, 
Everybody talks about his teammate, uh, Rook Aurora, but this guy is, is an explosive one-gap lineman who just makes play after play after play, and he's got some impressive weight room numbers, according to you. He does. By the way, I don't know. There was total, that was the best Scooby-Doo imitation I think we're going to get. Thank you. Thank you. And I wouldn't have done it any better. So um, I, I could butcher the name Ed. So don't worry. Don't worry about that. I would butcher his name too on that. So um, Tyler, Tyler Davis is a powerhouse. And when I, the story I do every year where I talk to college coaches about the guys who are going to be in the draft in the spring, Tyler Davis name came up a lot more than some of the other two D, Clemson D linemen who were, you know, potential first round guys at the time. Everybody thought he was just a real problem to deal with because he's super strong he has been hurt on and off. Um, you know, he is explosive as can be. I, I think, you know, the question is, he can be a powerhouse in, in, in the ACC. When you're going up against men every, you know, every Sunday, I think the the transition, may, the translation is probably not the same thing. You know, the question is, you know, him mauling guys in, you know, in the ACC, Will he be able to do that? I mean, he's a big, strong guy ACC-wise, but he's not a 330-pound guy doing it. Um, really good football player, though. Going to stay in the ACC for the next two guys. Go to Wake Forest. Everyone talks about Kalen Carson, the, the very talented cornerback. But when I watched the film, it was Malik Mustafa, of the safety, who very instinctive. You talked about his, uh, you, you know, some of his, his his testing numbers, and I was surprised to see how fast he is. But this guy's a total package because you could tell watching the film. This guy knows what's going to happen before it actually happens. He never has mental break uh, lapses on the field, and he's always making positive plays. I would just talk about his speed and some of his testing numbers. Yeah, super smart. I mean, he's a guy who is very dynamic athlete. And again, I think it's probably gets lost in the shuffle because you watch him and he's always around the football. Yeah. And I think I think it's almost like all the instinctive part gets, and and it's a it's obviously a great asset. But I, I think some of the athleticism you know, where, you know, when I talked to Dave Clawson about him, he was like, this guy is absolutely, you know, I remember, um, like, I think it was Boogie Basham. I'm trying to remember how long ago it was like, they've had some, some real elite dudes there. Um, and this guy is a different kind of athlete, but I think he's one that even in, people in the ACC don't realize how good he is. And he, and he gets it between the ears, which is really, which is what I really like. Boston college. You started off Kyle Hergel. Uh, you mentioned that the Eagles offensive line was gutted by injuries. They should be much better. And the offensive line could potentially be a strength, especially with the addition from with Kyle Hergel, who comes from Texas State, where, you know, if you miss the exit, you're going to miss Texas State. That's where that's the, the type of school that is. But this guy really fits that mold of that Boston College lineman, the sort of tough punch in the face type of guy you sixth year senior I, I mean I was impressed to see the uh, the numbers the weightlifting numbers and the strength numbers that you wrote about yeah and he's a repeat guy he was I had him on here on the freaks list last year when he was at Texas State he's another uh Canadian import for them they had another one who started out at Maine um a few years earlier and again I agree with what you said Tony you know Boston College Jeff Hafley I do think is a good coach he was good assistant in the NFL um Rutgers fans will remember him well. He was a really good recruiter. Their offensive line was decimated by injuries. They have a bunch of dudes in there. They got a transfer from Virginia who's going to be there. You know, was an, was a really good player in the ACC, and he's only a sophomore. Um, they were just gutted by injury. And this guy is, I don't want to say he's similar to like, you know, I feel like the Giants have had some BC guys who popped through there who were just, just 
you know, behind the back alley brawler. Yeah, Chris Knee. Yep. Chris Knee. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think he has the same kind of length, maybe, but he is really, really tough and super strong. And I think he's going to be a guy that um, will help BC get back into bowl con- contention because they were way off it last year. Yeah, and all, all draft fans, Pete Kendall's son is the starting center there, and he looks like a star in the making. So keep an eye on that. Go back to small school, PJ Jules of Southern Illinois, a guy who goes back for another senior year. He is a big, imposing small school defensive back, has played both corner and safety. What have you heard about him? Yeah, he's a kid from Orlando. He's somebody who probably should be in the SEC, to be honest. I mean, he's that kind of an athlete. Um, he's six one two ten. Runs really, really well. My guess is he would pro- he will be a safety in the NFL. Um, but he's all like Nick Hill, the head coach there, was like, you know, when we talked about him, he's a really good coach in the FCS. I think they are very lucky or very fortunate that he's somebody who did not did not get poached by some somebody else. Right. Like he should he should be playing in major college football right now, and he he's a potential dominant player um, at that level. And he's in a good league right now anyway in the FCS. Two more guys for me. Jerry Bohannon, when he went from Baylor to South Florida, it seemed like occupational suicide. Why would you make that move to South Florida, a a program that's really had its problems? But he's a real good athlete who also showed some potential as a passer during his time at Baylor. I believe he was injured last year. Maybe you can talk about that, talk to that. Made the right decision coming back for another year. Yeah. And so what's, what's going to be interesting. So he, he did not get the starting job at Baylor. They went with Blake Shapin, who was a younger quarterback and he struggled quite honestly last year. Um, now in Bohannon, you have a guy who everybody loves intangible wise. He's a really bright kid. He's, a, he was a great program guy, super strong for his size and, and very athletic. Um, the the new coach in there comes from that Josh Heupel tree he was with him at, at Alex Golish was was there at UCF and then moved on to uh, Tennessee where they had a ton of success, obviously with Hendon Hooker. Um, Giants fans will know, you know, Jalen Hyatt really benefit from that. I'm interested to see what Bohannon does in this offense. Like, I think it is, it's worked out for him because last year, you know, he was at a place that they were spinning their wheels. Now a new coaching staff comes in. And honestly, I think it's an offense that probably fits him very well. I'm not saying he's going to turn into Hendon Hooker all over again, but if you think about it, what Hendon Hooker had, he had some moments at Virginia Tech. Um, very, you know, as a bright kid, people liked him in the interviews, and he flourished in that system. Now he does now at USF. They don't have Jalen Hyatt, and they don't have the receivers. I mean, Tennessee had four of them. Two went to the NFL. Two are still there. Um, in addition to a great right tackle, he doesn't have that. He does have a good system though. So I'm interested to see. I think Bohannon. Um, will Bohannon 2.0 is going to be fun to watch this year. If they can get to bowl eligible, I think people will start to keep an eye on him as somebody, you know, like, Hey, he might be a sleeper for the draft. Yeah. And he's got the tools to move up draft boards. And we've seen quarterbacks just shoot up draft boards with big years. Final guy, uh, JT Clark, the wide receiver from uh, UTSA who now moves into the AAC. Very explosive guy. You talked about his uh, testing numbers. But he got injured late in November or or in November. I'm not sure if it was late November. He got injured in November towards ACL, which basically I I think forced him to go back. Is he going to be healthy for the – you'll talk about his test numbers, and is he going to be ready to take the field this year, or when will he be ready to take the field this year? 
they think he's going to be an impact guy. I mean, Frank Harris, the quarterback, there's a terrific college quarterback, had good receivers. Now they lost some in the portal. Um, he is not, you know, a couple of years ago, I had Tariq Wollin on here and Tariq Wollin was like Tariq the freak. And I couldn't believe the numbers they told me. And then, you know, he's another one backed it up and then had a terrific rookie year with the Seahawks. This, like, I feel like this kid's a more polished player right now. He's definitely not as explosive or freaky, but he's a really good player. I think they, you know, again, I my guess is Frank Harris is not what the NFL is looking to draft as a quarterback, but he's a really good college quarterback. And I think that you're going to see them throw it all over the place. Um, I think he will be a guy you'll see, you know, in the all-star process people just will really, really like him. Again, it's another one where they're fortunate that he didn't, for circumstance, didn't tra get transfer out or get poached away. Bruce, we appreciate you, I'm sorry, don't go ahead, Tone. I was just going to say, and all, for all you track and field guys out there, uh, Bruce mentions that Clark had a long jump of 24 feet, 8 inches in high school, which is a tremendous mark. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Bruce, we kept you longer than we wanted to. We appreciate you being very generous with your time. I'll give you one more chance. Tell the folks about everything you're doing, anything they should check out or anything else that you want them to know about before we say goodbye. Yeah, just, I mean, just follow my Twitter feed if you're looking for any of the stories, whether it's on the freaks list or our top tran impact transfers. Because I think as we got into the start of the season, a lot of, there's a lot of smaller school guys. There's a running back who is at NCANT, who's now at Virginia Tech, who I think they're excited about. There's guys who are at FCS schools or group of five schools who are now jumping up. And there's like another like Andre Sam, good example. He was at Marshall. He was at McNeese, played a ton of football. LSU guys are raving about him. Um, Mason Cobb, really good linebacker in the Big 12. Now he's at USC, like these old faces and new places. I think it's worth uh, I think it's a great primer for the season and it's a great primer for draft guys, too. Yeah, go check it out on The Athletic. Check out his Freaks list. Check out his story uh, picking Michigan over Georgia to win the national championship. Go subscribe to The Athletic. You can also see him on Fox. They're a big noon Saturday program, which I know is huge. Sideline, you name it. Bruce is there, Bruce. Thank you so much for being part of this show. You've done it a couple years in a row for us now. It really makes the show good. And I really think you help inform our viewers of some guys that maybe they haven't heard of that they should follow in college football this year. Thanks so much for the time. My pleasure, guys. I really enjoyed it. Bruce Feldman, for Tony Pauline, I'm John Schmuck. Thanks for joining us. This is Draft Season. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.